prompted. Enter your password. Password incorrect. Forgot your password. Please answer the security questions. What was your mother's maiden what name? What was the name of your first pet? In what city were you born? How do you gain access to God? Too many failed golden attempts. Your account has been blocked. Contact your system administrator. Connection lost. Hello, Mountain. It's good to see the hearty souls with us today. Where have you been the last few weeks, everybody? I was here. Hey, it's good to see everybody. Really glad you're here. Welcome. Hello to our Edgewood peeps and our Bel Air peeps and everybody here at Mountain Road. Uh, it's a good day today. One of the reasons it's a little special is um, every once in a while we have a kind of special moment to celebrate in the life of a church where one of our own has uh, received a call from God that they've responded to uh, to serve in a special way. And today's one of those days we want to mark that. Kylie Castens, who's largely grown up in our church here, has uh, heard the call from God to go and serve full-time in Kenya with Missions of Hope International, that place where Wallace and Mary Kamau are in the slums of Nairobi, that place where so many of us, about a thousand of us, are sponsoring children. And Kylie has just uh, responded to that call, and she's going. She leaves tomorrow. She's with us right now. Will you just welcome our friend Kylie Castens? <laughs> All right, Kylie. So, Kylie, what time do you fly? My flight out of BWI is at 1230 tomorrow. 1230. Mm -hmm. We love you, and we're glad we're going to miss you. Yeah. What do you have to say to your mountain family? Uh, well, good morning, and um, thank you guys so much for just being a part of this journey for me. Um, I, I think God kind of started planting these seeds in me when I was little, um, even like as a three-year-old child, and it's just been so great for me to grow up here um, and among you guys because God has used you to um, just really nurture those seeds um, in me and really just encourage me to keep uh, following Jesus and be his disciple. And so um, for me, that is being in Nairobi, Kenya and serving with Missions of Hope. And so it's a lot because of you guys for uh, walking with me along the way and um, just really encouraging me and supporting me through this. Um, through prayer and finances, you guys are some of my biggest supporters um, in all of those ways. And so I am so grateful for that. And so thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> and thank you. So we want to say to Kylie on this day, she flies out tomorrow. Um, when you get over there, take care of our kids. All right, a lot of us have kids. We want you to keep track of over there for us. And uh, be bold, follow your calling that God has given you, and we're honored. I, a lot of you remember that our Christmas offering, part of that, 20-some thousand dollars, was to help Kylie get over there. That's just one of our many symbols of saying we're in this together, we're behind you. When you find yourself over there, you're not alone. Uh, we're with you, we're standing with you. God bless you. Let's pray for Kylie. God bless Kylie. Give her safe travels, give her um, also just a family, um, not only here with Rob and, and uh, Kelly and Blaine and this mountain family, but give her the beautiful family of God there uh, so that she will feel perfectly at home in the center of your will. 
uh, and make the work of her hands fruitful and beautiful for you, we pray in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Okay, Kylie. All right, that's a big day. Okay, now before we jump into the message, there's something we really got to solve once and for all. I've been going a little crazy about this, and we just really need to decide. Can you put the picture on the screen? We just really need to decide, what is the color of this dress? Have you been following this the last few days? This crazy thing has gone viral, that dress. Is it white and gold? How many say it's white and gold? How many think it's blue and black? Yeah. Okay, well, some of you are wrong. I don't know if you followed that thing. It's gone crazy all over the internet, and everybody's wondering what colors that dress is. We'll probably never fully agree on that. Here's something that we can really all agree on, and that is uh, that I think all of us, every single one of us, would like to go deeper with God if we thought it was possible. We would like to have a stronger, closer, deeper relationship with God. We'd love to go on a kind of spiritual adventure if we thought it were possible. A lot of us are fearful of that, and we don't know if it's possible. But that really is something that this whole next series that we're kicking off today is about. Um, are you ready for something more with God? Have you ever sensed that there was something else with you and your relationship with God? That's probably something we can agree on, and that's what this series called Passwords is going to hopefully help us uh, get out. We need passwords for just about everything today, don't we? You have to have a password to get into everything. You can't, can't get in your own garage. You can't get into you know, your microwave. You can't get anything without a, a password anymore, right? I mean, we got passwords from A to Z, from Amazon to ATM, bank passwords and VGE, Caring Bridge and Craigslist, Dick's, Easy Pass, Facebook. They all require passwords, right? You can't get in without the password. Gmail, Google, Hulu, Instagram, Kindle, LLB, and Marriott, Naviance, Pandora, PayPal, REI, SafeEye, Snapchat, Twitter, Verizon, Windows, Yahoo, and Zillow. All are passwords I have that I got to have at the right moment. You got to have a password for everything. And you got to remember the password because sometimes it's important. You can't even get your own bank information. You can't, you know, make a payment on your credit card. You know, I'm on the phone the other day. I'm like, it's really me. And they're asking for passwords. I, I don't have any more passwords to give you. It's really me. Put me on FaceTime. I'll tell you it's me. You know, you have to remember your, your password, your, your mother's maiden name, your, your, Sisters, cousins, piano teachers, friends, first girlfriends, mother's maiden name. Otherwise, you won't be able to get in your own account. You ever been locked out of your own account because you couldn't remember the password? Access denied, right? I have a special app on my phone. This, you got to get this. If you don't have like this one play, how many of you are trying to keep track of your passwords on like little random pieces of paper and, uh, and post-it pads? Is that how, still how you do it, anybody? My wife tapes them to a piece of paper on the inside of a cupboard door. It drives me crazy. I mean, those are the same people who think the dress is blue and black. I'm telling you. <laughs> what you've got to do is you've got to get this little app. This little app that you just, you just put it all in there, and it's really great. So if I want to remember the password to all these things, all I've got to do is get into this little app. And, of course, you have to remember the password to get into that little app, but otherwise it's great. So here's a question. What, what's the password for connecting with God. If it's true that sometimes we can't, you know, we're denied access or our session times out or we somehow can't get into things that we really want to on the computer, what, what, would, what would the access be? What's the password? Do we really have access to that deeper connection with God? 
Jesus seemed to have that, didn't he? Jesus seemed to have this deeper connection with the Father. He had this, this ability to connect with God. He was always talking to God. Did you notice this? When there was a special need, he, was just, he just kind of broke into this open conversation with the Lord. When, there was, when he was eating, breaking bread, he'd start talking to the Father, bless the food. When there was a special need or when he was sad, when he was particularly happy, when he was most alive, when he was facing temptation, when he was facing death, all of these times he's just in this unbroken conversation with this real relationship that he seemed to have with the Father. It's called, it's called prayer, by the way, talking to God. I think sometimes we make prayer more difficult and, uh, I don't know, more cumbersome. We make it into an ought and a should and a chore or a burden. I talk about prayer. As soon as I say prayer, half of us feel guilty. It's like, oh no, I hope he doesn't talk about prayer. Because most of us feel guilty when we bring up the subject. Because I feel like I should pray more, I should pray better, I, I need to do that more. And Jesus didn't seem to feel it that way. Jesus seemed to understand that, that what a lot of us probably need to understand if we're ever going to go really deeper with God, and that is that prayer is nothing less and nothing more than just the real you and the real God having a real conversation. The real you, not some folk, uh, phony, uh, kind of fake, made-up version of you who spills out religious words, recites some... Mon- no, the real you and the real God, not some God of our making, not some little image of God that we want to break God down to, but the real God of Scripture, having a real conversation about what's really happening with you and me. That's prayer. And turns out this is one of the real passwords that Jesus gives us to have access to God that a lot of us are really, really looking for. So if, you're, if you've ever kind of had a thought like, man, how do I pray? Or what do I say? Or how do I do it? Am I doing it right? Do I really have access to God? Then I think this whole next series called Passwords is going to really be a gift to us. One day, some of Jesus' friends came to him, and they said, Jesus, tell us the password. Tell us how we can have access like you do. They said in Luke chapter 11, Lord, Jesus, teach us how to pray like you. Teach us how to pray. We can see, Jesus, that you have what we want. You're connected to the Father. You, you seem like you really know him. He's in your life. He's guiding you. You're talking to him. He's in you, and, and, and he's filling you, and we want that. Can you teach us that? And Jesus says yes. And that's when he tells us this thing called the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Or sometimes we call it the Our Father. Jesus is responding to the hunger that we all have when he gives us this sort of template. Here's a way that all of us, he says, can approach God. Here's how to pray. And it's not just a little prayer. It's not so you can learn a prayer. It's not so you can get to know the Lord's Prayer. It's so that you can get to know the Lord of the prayer. It's a a way to, to not just get God to change his mind about something, but to change us. This prayer is a whole new way of living and thinking. And so that's what we're going to dive into over the next few weeks, is a way to to go deeper with God, a way to try to get a deeper connection, to not just learn the, the Lord's Prayer, but to really come to know the Lord behind the prayer deeper. And our goal isn't to study it as much as to get good at praying. We want to be practitioners. So hopefully you're wanting to come away with this, not with a few factoids about the Lord's Prayer, but so that you truly can just feel like you're having a real conversation with the real God. 
So let your heart get hungry for God. Let something rise up in you that acknowledges some honest dissatisfaction maybe with a mediocre or non-existent prayer life and because you know that's the very password access to a deeper walk and relationship with God and just put aside everything you've maybe thought about the negative images of prayer and just come to Jesus with an honest heart right now and say Jesus would you teach me how to pray just like the early disciples did and Jesus I think will say to us I'm so glad you asked and gently lead us forward so let's stand together let's say together this prayer we'll put it on the screen and I'm going to warn you some of you are going to really want to use the word trespasses partway through here we're going to use the word debts and debtors okay and uh, let this be a prayer that that comes from you some of you have prayed this prayer a million times you grew up in school praying and others of you it's brand new or unfamiliar to you but we're all at the same place as we come humbly before God praying it all right you ready let's pray together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Let's see what he meant. Go ahead and have a seat. Let me share another translation of that that might help it sound fresh to us and help some of the phrases jump off the page a little more. This is from the New Living Translation. It goes like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now last week we talked about the context of this passage and um, because there was... um, I think about an inch and a half of snow on the ground. Most of you weren't able to be here. But you do want to go online and check that out because we gave some, I think, important background for when we come to pray, we just remind ourselves of three really important things that Jesus gives us. One, when we pray, keep it real. We talked about what that means. Two, we talked about God first, me second. And then third, listen more than you talk when you pray. Now today we're ready to jump in to the prayer itself. And let's let's look at that first phrase today. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Or hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven. Let's take a closer look at that and zoom in on some of the words and let the significance of these words kind of sink into us so that when when it's our turn to try to pray, whether with these exact words or other words of our own, we'll have a better understanding of what Jesus meant when he gave us this model. Okay? Let's start with the word Father. Everybody say the word Father. Father. Because this is a game changer in how we approach God, how we think of God, and how we pray, and how that deeper relationship is ever going to come about. And let's just cut to the chase and say right out the gate that not everybody has a good father, and that makes a kind of stumbling block for this part of the prayer for a lot of us. Let's just be honest. I had some conversation with someone this, even this past week who had a real bad father, and in fact, if you've had a father who was abusive or absent or or he abandoned you or or you had a father who had a habit of insulting you or just 
was distant or emotionally detached or didn't support you or you never knew him or he was a stepdad or in some other way was disappointing. All of that can make it kind of tricky getting out the gate on this prayer talking about God as Father because our image of Father is kind of so attached to these images we've had and, and we can get stuck. Here's what I hope happens. I hope for a lot of reasons, a lot of us, if that's you with an image of Father that's bad like that, I hope for a lot of reasons you can move past that. I hope you can move past that negative image. And, and in fact, I hope you stop letting your crummy, small, disappointing idea of a human father shape your concept of God. Because what's supposed to happen is instead we need to let, let your amazing, loving, kind, fair, patient, good, heavenly father reshape your understanding of what an earthly father is supposed to look like. Because when Jesus says our father, he's talking about an amazing, beautiful thing. So we mustn't let whatever our image of earthly father is cloud the most important relationship we have and that's with God Luke chapter 15 Jesus says do you know what the, do you know what God is like let me tell you he says and he tells story there he says it's like imagine this there's this arrogant little jerk of a kid he, he comes to his dad and he says I can't stand it around here anymore I want out of here give me my money he takes his inheritance empties dad's bank account and takes off to go live like hell and he does and he lives this terrible life and eventually he hits bottom everything turns sour and he thinks oh now what am I going to do he says I don't have any place to go unless I go home of course my dad won't take me after I've disgraced him like that well, maybe I'll just go and try to work my hiney off and hopefully earn my keep. And so he shuffles back home with his tail between his legs. But what he finds to his surprise, Jesus says, is the father waiting. There on the porch, like he probably was every day, the boy was gone, looking down the road. And when he sees the boy far off, he hikes his robe and runs down the driveway, very uncharacteristic for a patriarchal, dignified male in that culture. But this father, he doesn't care, because right now all he cares about is that he sees his boy afar off, and he runs out to meet him, and he hugs him, and he embraces him, and he kisses his neck, and he cleans him up, and he throws a party, because he's so happy, and he's so glad to see this child return home and Jesus says look at that that is your father that's the God who when we have strayed and we come I, I some, just even this week I was feeling like I don't want to talk to God I didn't, he didn't want to talk to me after everything I, just kind of where I've been you come back and you remember this image that Jesus gives us that's the father we have and when we pray However we're feeling, sheepish, guilty, whatever, we turn our heart toward home. You humble yourself and you come and you find a welcome from Father who says, I, I'm glad you came. He embraces you and kisses your neck. Do you feel like that when you pray? Jesus says that's the first thing is you pray to your Father. Galatians 4 says you're not a slave. No, no, no. You're God's child. And since you're a child, then God makes you an heir. You're going to get the inheritance. One of the blocks we have is I think we often feel like we're just kind of God's enemy. We're always, he's kind of perpetually upset with us. And it's true that we disappoint God and that his anger towards sin is very real. It has to be taken care of somehow. And that's why God sent his son Jesus to the cross who absorbed the pain, who 
covered the sin and now like takes your hand and escorts you straight up through, does the password on the chambers, goes right into the father and says, Father, she or he's with me. And he says, well, I'm glad to see you. That's my child. I recognize them. Why does God do that? After we deny and disappoint him and disobey him and disown him, how do, why does he do that? Because he loves us. First John 3, see how very much our father loves us? For he even calls us his children. And that is what we are. That is what you are. That's the real you. The real you needs to have a real conversation with a real father. That's how prayer begins, Jesus says. It begins this way. So we, it changes how you pray when you think about this doesn't it? I, I, I'm helped by thinking about the father's love when I think about my own kids. Here's a picture of our youngest, uh, Ellie. Uh, she just turned 16. And uh, to celebrate, uh, I, I took her out on kind of a daddy-daughter date night uh, uh, last week and had a great conversation, uh, talking about life and went to a movie. It took her to a fancy restaurant, all right? Well, it shows you about our family. She looked at the menu. She's never seen anything like this in her life. She's looking at this, and she's got this frugal heart. She's, she's like Kylie. She's seen enough of the world already and poverty to, to think, man, I, I don't know if I can justify that money on this. She says, I don't, she lost her appetite. I don't want to eat anything. I'll just have a salad. I, I, I prevail on her to, to say, I, I really want you to, to be blessed tonight. I want, because I was trying to teach her how precious and important and worthwhile and valuable she was to me. And I wanted her to accept this gift, and she did, and we had a great night. You don't prove your love by buying things for your kids, but I wanted her to get this concept that a loving father lavishes good things out of love and to help her feel cherished and special in that way. Jesus said one time, you know, when a kid comes and asks you for, for something to eat, saying, can I have some bread? You're not going to hand him a rock instead and say, here, kid, eat that. <laughs> No, you're not going to do that. If you're eating some fish and your child comes and says, Daddy, can I have some of that? Can I have a bite of that fish? You're not going to say, sure, and then hand them a snake instead. <laughs> Jesus says, no, you're not going to do that. Who would do that? In verse chapter, Matthew 7, he says, then if you, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him, who have this conversation with him saying, God, there's what I need. When you have that real conversation, you have a father who how much more is going to be able to do what needs to be done, even more so than the best of human fathers. If, if, if imperfect, selfish, sinful people like us are capable of being good parents every once in a while and being generous and thoughtful, just imagine how much more your father in heaven is. I splurged on Ellie because I wanted her to, to know how much not only I loved her, but how much more her Heavenly Father would love her. Do you get that about yourself and about what prayer is like? How much more? Think of the time you felt most loved in life. A moment when you truly felt cherished. When you received a gift that made you feel like a million bucks. How much more does your Heavenly Father love and feel toward you? And this is what Jesus wants us to have in our heads when we begin to pray. Father, 
And you know, Jesus himself had a very intimate relationship with Father. Some, sometimes he used a word. One time he was very distraught and upset and lonely and afraid, and he cried out, Abba, Father. You know that word Abba? We've talked about it a lot around here. It's the Aramaic word for Daddy. It means like Papa. It's a little term of endearment that babies utter. Daddy, Papa, Abba. Not, not Mama. First word a baby says is, is Abba. Right? Abba. But it means Daddy. It's not sir, like esteemed sir. It's Abba. It's a term of affection and closeness and nearness. And Jesus used it when he talked to his father. And that's in his mind when he says, so when you pray, you can call out to your dad like that. Not like, not like Mary Poppins where you know, the kids come down the stairs and their uniforms all neatly pressed to line up and meet their military sergeant, Father, hello, Father, our Father who art in heaven. Not like that. More like, you remember Andy Griffith, okay? When Opie's outside playing, comes in all sweaty, sits, comes in and says, hey, Paul, and he sits down on Dad's lap. It's a little more like that. You just walk right in and say, hello, Father, it's me, Ben. You can approach God with confidence because of Jesus like that. And when you, when you understand that you are Abba's child, it changes everything about your life and certainly your relationship with God and how you pray. You have access and intimacy to power. Take a look at this picture. It's from 1963. You probably recognize who that man is at the desk, right? John F. Kennedy, most powerful man in the world, President of the United States, taken there in the White House in the interior halls of the Oval Office. Now, if you're going to see an appointment with a president, you don't just waltz in there and say, hey, what's up, Jack? Thought I'd swing by. Only a special chosen few are going to get in that, in that office. You have to have an appointment, right? It's going to be cleared through a bunch of people. Security's going to check you out. His staff's going to vet you. They're going to do background checks and all that stuff. And if you're a big shot, like a senator or some chief of staff or something, you might get an audience with them. And when they do, they're going to run you through and they're going to do the passwords and take you on in. And they're going to hand you, they're going to say, you got 10 minutes. And they're going to set you in there. Unless, unless the president's your dad. You, did you see in the picture? Show the picture again. Did you see who's hiding under his desk? John John, his little boy. That's President John F. Kennedy's little boy. And when the president is your dad, then you have access. And when we pray, Jesus wants us to know we have access like that to the most powerful, amazing God of all. But you can go right in. There's no trick. The password is just F-A-T-H-E-R. He's your father. Now let's go look at the next part of the phrase. Our father in heaven, holy is your name. Now, Father is modified by this phrase, in the heavens. In the heavens, our Father in heaven. Or our, sometimes we'll say, Heavenly Father. What do we mean? What does Jesus mean? Notice how the first two words, Father, bring us right down and makes it intimate and close. But these next two, in the heavens, kind of take us up and broaden our perspective. He reminds us that He's not just Daddy who's intimate, it's the great God of the universe, the cosmic creator. Just coming off of uh, Black History Month, it's appropriate maybe to remember how African Americans labored under the bonds of slavery in the 18th and 19th century, and how they developed this kind of robust spirituality that exhibited this very kind of cosmic perspective that Jesus is talking about in the prayer when he refers to our Father in the heavens. 
For, uh, when I was in college for several years, you might not believe this, I actually traveled and sang with a vocal group. We traveled around, we sang, and one of the songs we sang was this old spiritual swing low, sweet chariot. Y'all know that song? It was just one of those many kind of spiritual songs that, that did more than just pass the time in the, in the tobacco fields or something. It was a song that expressed this hope of this heavenly perspective. It was a reminder, that particular song was a reminder about Elisha going up into heaven. And, and, and it helped them hold on to the hope that they had in a cosmic God, no matter how hard it was right now in this moment. No matter what kind of mistreatment they were experiencing, no matter what kind of bondage they were under, they could just, they could sing that song and it reminded them of a bigger picture. Swing low. You know that song? Sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low. You know the song. It took them to another place. And they could see the heavenly realm and they could imagine the throne room of God. I get a cosmic picture of God that was bigger than this old world of hardship. And it nurtured their faith in the midst of opposition. When you pray, Jesus said. Lift your eyes beyond the pain and the problems of the moment. Let your heart be filled with this vision of the cosmic God, our Father in the heavens. Bigger. Because sometimes when your heart is breaking and your world is crumbling and your mind is spinning, you need a vision of a great big God in the heavens, don't you? That's why Hebrews 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Don't stare at the problem when you pray. Let it fix your eyes on Jesus, our Father in heaven. Colossians says, put your minds on things above, not on things that are of the earth. Don't get trapped down here. Prayer lifts you out of it. Ephesians says, we struggle every day, but not against just flesh and blood we can see. No, no, no. Our struggle's real, but it's against powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly realms where the Father in heaven is in control. So we've got to be alert to this greater reality beyond the visible realm. The heavenlies are not just something that we go to after we die beyond the grave. The heavenlies are right here, but they're beyond our natural vision. And prayer is an invitation to remember that it's real even though you can't see it. That's what happened in the time of Elisha. The Bible pulls back the veil. Remember Elisha? So this Aramean army was crunching down. And they were coming after Elisha the prophet. They were going to kill him. So they were nervous about that. Next morning, the, the, the servant of Elisha goes out, on the, in the, goes out in the front step and to pick up the newspaper or something, and there in his slippers, he sees the whole Aramean army are surrounding the whole camp, the, the whole town of Dothan where they are. And he's freaked out. He panics. He said, we're done for. He goes in. He starts crying. And he's scared. And he goes in and he says to Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha just prays a short, simple prayer. He says, God, show him. Open his eyes that he can see. And with that, God opened that servant's eyes. And now when he looked out that same front door, you know what he saw was not just the enemy's armies. He saw instead a huge army of God's angelic host with horses and chariots of fire standing between Elisha and that onslaught. And he went from being overwhelmed to calm and filled with peace. And what was the difference? Well, he got that he got that cosmic vision of those chariots swinging low. He got a glimpse of what God was already up to. He caught a vision of our Father in heaven. And when we pray, 
Jesus says you remember that cosmic perspective because it's a game changer because half the time we're praying, we're always in defeat. We're always surrounded by some army, whether it's cancer or conflict or some challenge that's bigger than us. And so you pray and you, you trust in the invisible hand of God. He may not reveal it. You may not see the chariots, but you can know for certain that God is at work. His protecting, healing, working, ruling of the universe hand is working in ways you cannot always see. That's what we say when we say our Father in the heavens. He's cosmic. He knows the number of stars in the sky, but he's your daddy. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And when you pray, our Father in heaven, you're saying our daddy above. Both are held together. And then we move on to this word, our. Let's go back and pick it up. It begins, our Father. Remember this, we're in this together. This is not a you, this is not a me, my, I prayer. This is a you, we, us prayer. All of it, our bread, our sins, our problems our needs, our Father. It's a reminder that we're in this together. You never come, you come to God, you know, privately, but never, never alone. Does that make sense? He's our Father. It's a communal faith. We need each other. You're not meant to walk with Jesus alone, and you really aren't alone, ever. Remember the Doobie Brothers, you say, Jesus is just all right with me, and he's my friend, right? Like it's a personal little thing, just me and Jesus. But really, it's not really ever that way. It's always a we and us, an our, even when you're going to the Lord all by yourself. Which is a good little reminder for me to put in a plug for some of you who need to get off the bench and come out of hiding. If you've been kind of at mountain for a while and you've been doing your relationship with God, just a personal me and my father, it's time for maybe you to connect with some other people. We welcome you. We welcome you and be anonymous as long as you need to. But at some point, just know that when you put your hand in Jesus' hand, he's going to lead it and put you into the hand of some other believers so that you can walk after Jesus in a group of friends. So join a group. That's why we keep talking about it. It'll help you go deeper with God. You want to be deeply connected to the Lord? You've got to be deeply connected to some of his people. It's the way Jesus arranged it. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians in the Bible. No such thing as solo believers. It's a team sport. So maybe it's time for you to join the church, identify with the group, come out of woodwork. Our Father reminds us that the cross has two beams. Not just the Father part where I connect to the Lord, but the Our part that's a horizontal reminds us that we're all on level ground as we come to the Lord in prayer. We're all on level ground. No class distinctions when you pray. Nobody's more important than anybody else. Nobody's, you know, we're all just the same. No status symbols. We're all just His children when we pray. And Our draws a circle. And a lot of Christians, when we draw circles, we draw a little circle around me and myself. Our, when a lot of us use the word, we really mean not yours. This is ours. This is our clique. This is our tribe. This is our people. This is our church. This is our father, not yours. But Jesus never looked at it that way. Jesus didn't say, pray our father as if we somehow possessed him. Like we possess the truth and we're going to announce who, who knows who's right and who's wrong about everything. No, no, to Jesus, the word our was a great big circle. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In other words, the, the, the whole world is now drawn into the circle. And anyone who trusts in Christ can be drawn inside that circle and say, he's my father too. 
So the word our builds a bridge between you and others, between you and me. You can't accept Jesus and reject his family. You can't want to have unity with the Father and have disunity with other believers. Not according to Jesus. We're super glued together. And so the word our just reminds us. Man, when a friend fails you, our reminds us, man, I'm still, I'm still in this relationship. I, I've got to forgive and live in grace. That's the shame of someone who just church hops and shops. Every time something offends their little spirit, they run off to find some new place instead of hanging in there and doing the our part of Christian community. Work through it. Figure it out. When we come together for worship, the music you're not going to like, some of it's going to be too old, too new, too cold, too hot, whatever, but the hour reminds us it's not only about what you want, it's what all of us together can do, can do to worship our Father together. When Kylie says, I want to go to the mission field, we say, we're going to do this together. We pray, we give, we support. When 21 Coptic Christians get beheaded, we don't just say, well, that's too bad, it happened to them over there. If it happens to them, when one member suffers, we all suffer. That's our Father who's weeping about one of his children. When, when one of us gets very sick, knocking on death's door, our is the reminder that we bear one another's burdens. Our does away with separation and segregation and all the world's categories of prejudice and racial ethnicity and division. Our Father says, it's not my Father, not your Father. He's all of our Father, red, yellow, black, and white. Edgewood to Tanglewood. Bel Air to Bel Camp. Whatever your story, if God is your father, then you're my brother or sister. And when I come to prayer, I remember that. And I have a great host of people, a cloud of witnesses who've gone before, who are all around me now as I pray, encouraging me in my faith as I come to the Lord. Those with whom I'm going to spend eternity looking down as we begin this prayer. Our Father in heaven. And then this and then this beautiful word, holy. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Holy is just a word that means special. Super set apart. Not common and just down here in the dirt with the rest of the world, but separate and not ordinary. And God is beautiful and to be honored. And it's a reminder that we want to Come to him in that way and honor his name. Two things are happening when you and I pray, God, your name is holy. Two things. One, we're saying, God, I recognize that you're special and you're holy. But the other thing that we're saying when we say, God, your name is holy, is we're saying, God, I recognize by my saying that, that you're calling me to be holy too, to be somehow different and special, not just the same as the rest of the world. That something will be unique and special about me because of my commitment to you, because of you alive in me. God, you're not just special. Help me to live as a person who honors you by the way I live. We honor God, not with our lips so much. God, you're really special as much as our lives. God, help me to live like one of your people. Despite how the world might 
treat you or how the world just sort of makes everything common and ordinary and everything goes. I'm going to do my best to reverence you and respect you and obey you and trust you and live in a way that isn't a holier than thou with my nose up in the air, but I'm right here in the middle, just like Jesus was, right in the middle of this old earth. And yet to do so in a way that people will be able to say, I want that relationship with the Father that they have. So the way you make God's name holy is by saying, God, have your way with me. Help me to live in a way that I will become the person that you want me to be. And every time we pray, this is what we're doing, is we're asking God to have his way with us. If you want a, a good substitute for the word holy, just put the word honor in there. God, we honor you and help me to honor your name by how I live my life. To use a sports analogy, I know I use too many of them, but here's another one. Let's say there's a football team with a coach who the coach really pushes um, discipline and good tackling, good blocking and sportsmanship and class and they drill that in practices. But on game day, the team shows up and they're disheveled, their uniforms are all askew, they don't tackle, they don't block, they, they're, they're bad sports and they lose all the game, they don't care and they're fighting. What do you call that? I know the Minnesota Vikings, I'm, not t- I'm, saying, I'm saying, what do you call that? You call that dishonoring is that honoring to the coach no no it's really not honoring to the coach you dishonor the coach so when we pray these words lord holy is your name what god wants is for us to honor him on game day which is every day and how we live god you're holy i'm gonna do my level best to live that way too so we live our lives as best we can with his help in a way that looks like Jesus. Now this is going to lead to some need for forgiveness, and that's the next phrase of the prayer coming up pretty quick. But in the meantime, we say, God, help me. I'm going to love people that I wouldn't otherwise love. I'm going to forgive people that I don't want to forgive. We don't cheat on our wives or husbands. I'm not going to steal. We're, we're, we're not going to have sex outside of the ways that are pleasing to you. I, I'm not going to act like a jerk, even though I want to. I'm not going to act selfish or mean. I'm going to show compassion. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be generous. I'm gonna, why am I going to do all that? Because God says, you be holy as I am holy. You be different, just like I'm different. Honor me with your life. His identity shapes ours when we pray. Our Father, we say, you're my daddy, and yet you're the cosmic creator. And I, with all of my brothers and sisters, come to you now. And I want to honor your name, and I want you to help me live in some way that honors you that's the first phrase of the prayer f-a-t-h-e-r i hope you'll use this bookmark grab one out of the front of the seat back pocket in front of you if you don't have one with you already it's a reading guide from now to easter i hope everyone will take one take as many as you'll take home with you it's got a beautiful little way to remember the prayer f-a-t-h-e-r a way to guide through and there's a scripture you read dates on the back little guide on the front Pray the prayer, read the scripture, pray, pray F-A-T-H-E-R, read another scripture, take a few minutes, let your relationship with God go deeper. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your invitation to go deeper with you. And we pray that We'll get past whatever hang-ups we had with Father or the word holy or prayer in the past and just allow ourselves, the real us, to come into contact with the real you.
and have a real conversation that will change our lives. For your glory, we pray. Amen.